Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Who remembers that song? Anyone remember? Yes, nods, yeah. Uh, Mike's already uh, shared it with us, but Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I just want to thank uh, Mike for allowing me to speak for the next three weeks. Um, hopefully uh, you get something out of it. Um, but let's just be quiet just for a minute. Oh, did I scare you? <laughs> well, today we're talking about being scared. And fear is a big word. And for some people, it's too big a word. And, and so they say, I'm not afraid. Nothing scares me. Well, how about these words? How about worried or anxious? or concerned, or confused. If you think about Adam and Eve, they're us, right? In, in, in many ways, they're a, they're a template of human life. And what is their first reaction after they eat the fruit? Well, they're worried. I, I'm naked. I need to cover up. And then, in the garden, they're scared of God. They want to hide. God's got this, this plan for them, this, this, this great, super easy, awesome paradise deal. And I think many of us would like to go straight back to that. But they blow it. And, and that's kind of what the next three weeks are going to be about. God's got this awesome plan and purpose for us, and we muck it up. We scared, scared to be perhaps out on our own, scared to forge our own path. It's easier in the group. It's easier to follow the crowd. It's easier to join a group. We love groups. We love, we love to brand ourselves. I'm this or I'm that and you're something else. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole on Facebook or YouTube. I'm going to follow this extreme extreme view. So I ask, why do we do this? It's probably because we're scared. How do you define yourself? What membership cards do you have in the wallet of life? Just for a second, if you can, Forget your politics, your theology, your doctrine, even your values. Do you know what God wants you to do personally? And if you do, that's great. Go back to what God is wanting you to do. I mean, why would you not? What stops you? Maybe fear. What stops you? Maybe an inability to love. What could help you? The fear of the Lord. What could help you? Being able to love sacrificially. How does this work? What does God show us? How is his will, his kingdom, 
the way to move forward in this. Because without knowing his will, without breaking free from fear, and without embracing love, it's going to be quite hard. Mike asked for a sentence to sum up the next three weeks, and I came up with, get over yourself, do as you're told. Um, but we went with fear, love, and the kingdom. But that is what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. Fear, how it can be a controlling force in our lives. Why does it do that? And how can we respond? What does God say? Week two is going to be about love. Why does it hurt to love? What is sacrificial love? What does God demonstrate? And how can we follow his example? And in week three, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. Has come. Is here. Will come. God's will. We're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. Said this morning, we might even have some Cliff Richard, which uh, made some people happy. But my hope is that although over the next three weeks I might be talking to your head, but that God might be talking to your heart. And today's talk is about fear. Fear is a driving force. It can drive you down and away from God and away from others, or it can drive you up and towards In Exodus chapter 20, there is a story of a people who were afraid. And in verse 20 of chapter 20, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That kind of sums up the message I want you to take away today. Don't be afraid. God has a plan for you. He has come to test you. Do as you're told. The fear of the Lord will keep you from sinning. And and the best way that I can describe sin is not doing what God wants you to do. And in Exodus chapter 20, uh, God's just given the Israelites some corporate instructions, the Ten Commandments. And he's given them to the people who he's just saved, the people who he's just, we sang about, parting the water. And they're scared. The Israelites even say it. We don't want to speak to God. It's just like Adam and Eve. We want to hide. If we speak to God, we will die. So we will remain at a distance. We don't want to get too close. We don't want to engage with God. We'll stick with our group. How many times have we done that? How many times have I done that? And think, how many times have you done that? So this happens with Adam. This happens with the Israelites. It happens with us. It's part of the human condition. Jesus talks about a similar situation uh, of not wanting to engage uh, in the parable of the lost son. Uh, before we read the story, some of you will have heard the, the parable of the lost son before. Uh, so think about it. Which character in the story do you identify with? And if you've never heard the story, think about it as we read it. And if we could just have that up on the screen, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, 
Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant, distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even give me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So who did you identify with? Let's have a look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Why didn't he go home then? Perhaps, and I put it to you, he's scared. He's worried. He's anxious. And, and these fears control his actions. He doesn't know who he is. His value, 
his identity is caught up in whether he has money or not. His value is in how others see him, how he sees himself in his own judgment and perspective. He doesn't realize he is his father's son. He doesn't see how his father sees him. I think fear runs through this story. that The prodigal son is fearful he is missing out on life, just waiting for his inheritance. And when he gets in, the prodigal son is perhaps scared of not fitting in, so he spends all his money on wild living. And then when it's all gone, he's scared to go home and face the music. He, he is scared of how his father will react, just like the Israelites, just like Adam and Eve, just like us. And as for the other son, well, he's scared that he is missing out, that his works are not appreciated. This story resonates uh, with me quite deeply. Uh, when I was 15, I ran away from home. I was away for a couple of weeks. This was, in many ways, my story. But who do you identify with? The father? The lost son? The other son? The pigs? The workers? We'll do more on this story as over the next couple of weeks. But the, the message here is that fear, if you let it, will control you. Fear, if you don't give it over to God, will stop you from fulfilling your God-given purpose. Fear will burn bridges, will break up families, will ruin relationships. But love, oh, love, specifically God's love, a sacrificial love, now that That will free you. That will allow you to fulfill your God-given purpose. We'll build those bridges. We'll mend those families. We'll rebuild your relationships. You may have heard the expression, leaving your fears at the cross. You may have heard or sung the expression, a beautiful exchange. And let me speak from experience here. It is beautiful. We give it to him, and and what do we get back? Peace? Yes. Life? Yes. Something to do? Yes. And sometimes that something to do is to, to forgive, or to love, or to sacrifice, It usually involves trust. But often when we are afraid and we go to the cross, Jesus isn't going to necessarily remove that thing we are afraid of. For instance, you might be worried about your financial situation. God might not miraculously remove your need for money. After all, we live in the real world. Things have to be paid for. But he might help you view money in a different way. And often fear is a feeling and not necessarily a reality. A fear can be a misunderstanding, an unknown, a miscommunication. But it usually involves a loss or is rooted in a historical loss. 
I, I lost this thing once, and now I'm afraid of losing it again and again and again. Has anybody seen that program, Eat Well for Less? Yeah. And, and, and it's a little bit like the parents on that program who grew up hungry, who grew up with no food in the house, and now they hoard food for their family. They've experienced that loss, and now they're hoarding. But we all react to fear in some way. How do you currently react to fear? I think there's fight, flight, and faint. Do we fight back? The best defense is a good attack, after all. Or or do we run away like the knights in the Monty Python movie? Has anyone seen that? Okay, no, I've had in the first service. Good, okay, cool. Or do we give up? Do we just collapse? And if we choose to fight, who do we fight? Ephesians 6.12 says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we are not in a battle with each other. We are in a battle with the other, if that makes sense. Should we run? I like running. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I, I think the prodigal son stayed away because he saw himself as wicked. But his father saw him righteous in love. And if we faint... I'm a fainter. If we faint, do we just stagnate? Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, it is God's righteousness that sustains us. Flight, fight, faint. None of those things really work when we end up relying on ourselves. And that's not the point of the beautiful exchange. It shouldn't be a continuous trek to the cross. It shouldn't be a management program. God wants us to bring these things to him, but he also wants to prepare us for next time. He doesn't want us wasting time in continuous dumping on him. Now don't get me wrong, he will continue to take that stuff. He will continue to listen to our latest failing, our latest fear. But there is something more, more beautiful that he wants to give us. Do you or any of the kids know the song, Jesus is my superhero? He's better than Superman. He's better than Batman. He's better than Barbie. And he kind of wants us to be a superhero too. He wants us to be Professor Hulk. Now bear with me, especially if you're not a Marvel Comics fan. But there is a guy called Bruce Banner. 
This is actually Eric from The Little Mermaid. I don't have a Bruce Banner doll, but there we are. This is, uh, this is Bruce Banner. He is uh, a weak, skinny, sciencey, nerdy kind of guy. Nothing wrong with that, but not really a superhero. But he has something inside of him that turns him into the Hulk. And the Hulk is pure power and strength. And I used to use this as an analogy for how we are with the Holy Spirit. We are normal people, but we have something stronger inside us. Cool analogy, right? But then I discovered Professor Hulk. So Professor Hulk is Bruce Banner and the Hulk working together. See, my first analogy where Bruce becomes the Hulk is a bit like Samson. Not good, not good, Spirit of God. Not good, not good, Spirit of God. But Professor Hulk, as an analogy, that's more like it. And that's one of the ways we can overcome fear. One of the ways we can gallop headlong into our identity, our purpose, our value in God. One of the ways we can avoid identifying in a group for safety, excuse or blame. One of the ways we can come to God. One of the ways we can engage with God. One of the ways we can love and love sacrificially by working in partnership continuously with the Holy Spirit. So over the next week, ask yourself some of these questions. Are you afraid of God? Or do you have the fear of the Lord. Do you know who you are in him? Do you know what he wants you to do for him? Do you flip between spirit-filled person of God and flesh-driven human? Or do you walk with the spirit daily? Think about those things. And during the week, once you've dealt with all your fear, it might take a week, might take a little bit longer, next week we'll be talking about how to love sacrificially. And I'll hand back to Evan.